Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, I should say. I can't believe I'm sitting here on a Sunday, but we are the Beer Geeks. Hear us pour. Some of us, some of you know who we are. We were over on the now defunct Sports Hub 102 uh, on Saturday mornings, and we are now here on WILK News Radio, the Beer Geeks, and got with me. I have with me to my right. See, I'm out of I'm out of sorts here. Dirty Derek, welcome, Dirty Derek, to WILK. Oh, it is good to be here. He made the move. Awesome, and I'm feeling good about it. Polish Ed jumping in, man. We found it behind the dumpster. You'll learn all about Polish Ed and how he likes to root around <laughs> our dumpster for half half filled beer bottles from our show. We just brought him in. We felt bad, but he's sitting here chilling out with us. How you doing, buddy? It's been a couple weeks. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm liking the new studio. Oh yeah, love love the disco ball. That's from Jack's Northeast <laughs> Music. I am Dixon City. On Route Six, but Derek, uh, yes. we have to reintroduce yeah, ourselves yeah. today. Pretty much, we are the Beer Geeks. We talk about craft beer. We have different guests from all over the world joining us every week. You can get us on Twitter. You can get us on Facebook. You can call in if you have any questions about craft beer. We're not going to do that yet because we have a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal round of beer to drink today, um, along with a wonderful interview. Derek, fill us in. Yeah, we're going to be uh, covering. You know, as we go through all this, because if you if you're not familiar with with this. You right. know, we, we've been going for over a year and a half now about strong. Right. So, I mean, we, we have a, a good following. So, I mean, if you're new to this, really what we're doing is just diving into craft beer and then talking about craft beer from an insider perspective, kind of more like where we're talking with brewery owners, we're talking with brewmasters. Today, we're going to be talking with the cellar manager from Wicked Weed Brewing in North Carolina, uh, Rich Kilcullen, and we're going to be really getting into a whole different angle on this. But what we're trying to do is we're not we're not glorifying getting drunk. We're right. not glorifying. That's right. not what the intent is. This Extreme is kind of, responsibility yeah. we promote. This is looking at the art form that is craft beer from a, a more in-depth perspective. And, you know, we're doing that. You know, the best way to do that is through drinking it. I mean, oh, definitely. sitting here man. talking about it, it's one thing, but you got to dive in and kind of really examine it without getting a little, you know, too pretentious. Some people can get right. a little too overly examining yeah. of this. And But we, we really want to keep this light and get into all this. But that's what we're doing today. We're taking a look at another great brewery. This is Wicked Weed. They're from North Carolina, the Asheville area. Uh, really strong, up-and-coming brewery. They have phenomenal IPAs that they're really well known. They're known for doing like a real West Coast style IPA, which is a little more aggressive. They also have their awesome sour program. That's what we're going to be talking about today because we have three of their best sour beers and we're going to be getting a call from Rich who's going to be calling us live from what they call their Funkatorium. And that's pretty exciting yeah. all alone. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. And just that they have the Funkatorium. As soon as they, right. they, we talked about that, I always just picture Bootsy Collins kind of walking around. And jumping out with a star awesome. shape, an LED <laughs> lit up star shaped yeah. uh, jazz master bass. And um, he is the man. Bootsy yeah. Collins, but we're not really going to talk anymore no, no, about Bootsy, Bootsy Collins or any of those. <laughs> he's, done a, he's done enough on his own. You got it. But Ed, this is a great day for Ed because Backyard Billy from Backyard Alehouse in downtown Scranton wasn't able to join us today due to family obligations. We all have to get used to this Sunday morning here, yeah, Dirty yeah. Derek. It's a great day for Ed because he gets to taste and dive head first in all these fine beers you have, man. And I love watching people sample sour beers. Yeah. Especially the sour. I mean, that, that's a style... Uh, you know, once you get used to it and, and you kind of get your taste buds acclimated to it, it's a style that you absolutely, most people will love this style once they get into it. But the initial taste, because, you know, when we're saying sour beer, you kind of think like, oh, well, it's skunked or something's wrong. It, it really does taste like a sour beer. And that's the problem some people have is, you know, when they take a sip of it, they're not expecting that sour punch. But that's what you get out of this one. It's, it's great, though. I mean, when you're looking for that, 
it, it comes from this whole range of different bacteria and things like that that are going into the beer. So, I mean, there's a lot going on with that. It's a complex thing. It's not like they just made a beer and let it sit and, and go bad, and then they're selling it as a sour beer. This is something they intentionally set out to do through a whole range of different things. Now, the first one we have, now this is their, their Medora. You now, what this is is a, a sour blonde base beer. So what that is, it's a clear blonde ale kind of look, but it has some of those sour notes that, that come from bacteria and all these things you can put into it. And some of them you might be a little more familiar with if you're a yogurt fan, like the lactobacillus and pediococcus. That's the stuff right. that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis loved, you know, letting run through her, her intestine linings and help her clean herself <laughs> up a little bit. While yeah. You know. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's what comes into some of these beers. And that's what gives it that sour tart characteristic. But within this, you have some really nice blackberry and raspberry notes, and it's aged into a, a red wine barrel that gives it the color. So when you're looking at this, all the color that comes from this, and it's got these like really light, subtle, hazy, like purple kind of a, right. you know, a plum note uh, color to it. But that's coming from all the fruit and then the barrels and everything. But it's actually a blonde-based ale, but it has like a really nice like sour base. But it's balanced. That's the one thing that that some people with sour beers that they don't like is when they're too aggressive, they're too sour, it's too much of a punch on the palate. This one doesn't have it. This has a really nice balance and a really easy drinking ability. This is what, 6 point, uh, I got to look at my notes, 6.6 ABV. So it's a lighter beer. Doesn't have a lot of that, uh, you know, overly puckering characteristics. It's just really nicely balanced. And sometimes with a sour beer too, you get some notes of vinegar, which is kind of off-putting to some people, but it's it's supposed to be in there. Uh, But within this, it's just, that's not there. It's just really crisp and actually a really dry finish to it. And that's what's great about when you when you get a sour beer that's brewed with this kind of love and this kind of care, it just has such a great, great balance to it. What are you thinking, Ed, since you're you're uh yeah. you're you're the new to this the sour guy. <clears throat> yeah, yes I am. Uh everybody knows I'm more of the IPA person. I came into the studio today kind of blindfolded with the, <laughs> the with the sours. But you know what? This this one is really enjoyable. I mean it, it's it's not overly sour. It's tart. tart. Uh, it's got some like like berries to it and stuff. Almost effervescent too. Yeah, it's definitely really bright. I mean, some some sour beers that you have, uh, you know, people that are used to the style will notice that there's like a vinegar taste to it, like they yeah. said, and like that can be a little too astringent. But this has like a real nice crisp brightness that actually kind of makes it seem better for a, like a nice summer day almost. Yeah. Like it has those kind of wonderful qualities. If you've ever had a Goza. Uh, it has some tart characteristics. So this is, is close to that kind of tartness. But it's really nice. But the thing that you have to keep in mind, too, that's interesting with sour beers, it, this isn't a style that you can really sit and drink a lot of because of the acidity in this will actually throw off the pH balance in your belly. And uh, if you ever had a night of drinking a lot of sour beers, you know the next morning is always <laughs> the most enjoyable morning because there's just so much stuff going on because of the bugs and stuff that are going on in that. It can really throw you off a lot, and that that gets a bit tough as you're going through it. But, I mean, when you have – this one's done in great balance. Uh, the, the, the They're present in the beer, but it's not – overly present and, and what we're talking about when we're saying these like there there's four core things that are going on in the beer. You have Britannomyces is one. That's gonna be talking about in the next beer because the next beer we're gonna have is actually hundred percent Britannomyces. But there's Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, and Saccharomyces. So we're getting a little scientific with yes. all this. But the, those are the main, you know, or mythological, or mythological. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the main things that you're seeing thrown into these beers and a lot of those are, you know, it's a bacteria. And they'll either kind of come through Traditionally, a lot of the older Belgian beers were brewed with open fermentation or what would be called a cool ship now, which is just if you're brewing a beer and you're letting it sit, 
it'll kind of capture what's floating through the air, and that's wild yeast. Like there's wild yeast kind of blowing around everywhere outside, and that'll get into the beer, and that'll kind of act as that. That's what Britannomyces is very close to the yeast. So that'll like get that'll get going into the beer and start making the active fermentation. Other than that, like sometimes the the barrel programs that the breweries have, the bacteria will actually be living in the barrel. So it'll kind of activate and get going into the beer as it's sitting in the barrel to age. That's why you see a lot of these beers are aged in red wine barrels or different barrels of that because that actually is what houses the beer. And now we've talked about this previously on one of our old shows. There, there's a brewery, Cantillon Brewery, which is a really well-known sour brewery. And if you walked into it, if you're a clean freak, you probably would not want to drink their beer because they intentionally do not clean that brewery. They they want that, what they call house character with a lot of them. That's what you see with a lot of sour beers. They have a pride in having this house character. I think I saw a video on that. Is that the place with the cobwebs yep. and stuff all over? Yeah, it's it's uh, got kind of a green must to the whole brewery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to clean it because people, they've, they've had people say, I mean, they're located in Belgium, so I mean, you know, here in the U.S., people might you know, have to complain with the FDA or things like that. Yes. But, but I mean, over there, like they're, they're allowed to go through all these things, and they, they intentionally don't want to clean it because they want that wild characteristic. And the other thing that's that's difficult when you're doing a sour beer, and we'll we'll, we'll talk to Rich about this because it, a lot of breweries are afraid to start doing sour beers because when you introduce that into the brew house. Um, those things I talked about previously, the bacteria and everything, that can contaminate other beers. And when you don't want those characteristics in that, if you're looking for a nice IPA or something of that nature, you don't want that sour tart characteristic because if you get that, the beer tastes off. And that's when you have people really saying that this beer is off. And that's the difficulty with it is is really honing that in because this this stuff is really dangerous in a brew house because if you don't have really, really stringent cleaning, it can really take off and just take over your brew house and get everywhere because it is a wild thing. And it's, its tendency is to kind of just travel around and get into all these things. So if you're not cleaning the equipment really, really well, I mean, above and beyond what you probably normally would do, uh, it, it can really take over. And that's a dangerous thing because when you get that taken over, you're going to have a lot of beers that have characteristics to them that you really and truly don't want. Yeah, and you can't get rid of that either. No, it, it, <clears throat> takes, it takes a lot to, to really come out of that thing. But I mean, the other, the other thing when we were talking about the Britannomyces, like that's the, the next bear we'll get into it rich with that, but that's uh, really close to yeast and how it acts. And you'll actually see a lot of beers on the shelf that say 100% Britannomyces. So what that means is they didn't actually put in any kind of yeast, they just relied on that. And what that is is a really slow acting, it'll act as a yeast, but that'll, that'll bottle will sit and age for a long period of time. It'll be very close to wine. And that's where a lot of this comes from. But the whole idea of Britannomyces, you know, if you're a wine drinker, uh, the Britannomyces, the idea of that for a winemaker is a death. They don't want that in, a brew, in, in their winery because that brings all these kind of characteristics that nobody wants to have. So what that is, is, uh, you know, a very dangerous thing to have introduced into the, the wine house. And, uh, but within that, I mean, there's, there's a lot going and it, it, it gets really difficult and uh sorry i'm gonna i'm getting an email right now i'm trying to read but uh within that you know there's a lot of things going on that if that gets introduced into a, into the winery that'll bring a lot of problems and the, the dangerous thing is that that will skunk a lot of the wine so you have to be very very difficult with that outstanding all right we're gonna take a little break here and we'll be all good we'll come back to you with the beer geeks radio hour 
And we got our interview coming up, I believe, right, Dirty Derek? Yeah, that's what, we got that coming right up. Outstanding. It's our first time in the new digs, man. We'll get it all down like clowns in a three-ring circus. Let's do it up. We'll be right back with the Beer Geeks. The Voices of Shale Energy. Hi, my name is Laura Ross. My husband Don and I live in Washington, Pennsylvania, a small town just outside of Pittsburgh, where we're raising our family. We recently opened a coffee shop and bakery to give people a place to find great food, a spot where they can relax, have a conversation, and catch up. These days, a lot of that talk is about fracking. We know it's helping our town and the economy, but what about preserving the environment? There has to be a balance. We take pride in serving the best locally sourced food, from our own handmade toffee to jams, produce, and other products from the nearby farms we support. And we had to make sure the industry is doing their part to carefully protect our land and water. So we did some research and learned that fracking has been done safely for over 65 years. That says a lot and really got the conversation flowing. Join the conversation about fracking at energyfromshale.org. Shale, the energy to do it right. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Trying to find a beer you truly enjoy is becoming a rather daunting task. Everywhere you turn, another beer, another company, another slogan, another gimmick. Here at Anzalone Special Beer, we decided our gimmick was going to be, well, good taste. Perhaps not the most creative of gimmicks, of course, but certainly the most flavorful. Anzalone Special Beer. Good taste is our gimmick. Anzalone. Built for business. Your business depends on the internet, but who does your internet depend on? Your human resources director slash marketing manager slash IT person slash aren't you busy enough already? Well, there's a more dependable way to depend on your internet. Comcast Business has vetted and trained more than 1,700 dedicated business specialists to keep your business up and running 24-7, 365. Business specialists specializing in your business slash internet slash Wi-Fi slash success slash you. And if you switch to Comcast Business Internet today, they're giving you a 30-day money-back guarantee with speeds up to 150 megabits per second and better value. It's a pretty smart call. Speaking of calling, here's the number. 800-501-6000. That's 800-501-6000. Or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Here are the Intercom National Cash Contest rules. Must be 18 or older and legal resident of one of the 50 states or D.C. on entry day. Through May 15th, listen to the station weekdays at approximately 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. for the keyword and then text the keyword to short code 72881. Or complete an entry at intercomcontest.com by 15 after the hour. One winner will be randomly selected for contest play from all national entries received to win $1,000 and must contact us within 48 business hours of initial notice of winning. One entry per phone number per contest play. Message and data rates apply. Otherwise, WILK's general on-air contest rules apply. Complete rules and list of participating stations are available at our website and studios. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I'm sitting in a bar. I'm all alone. Yeah, and okay, I'm a dog and I'm only three. But you know what? That's not all that important. I'll show you what is. Hey, Rocco. Yes, Bruno. Don't give me the usual. I want to try something new. Try this Anzalone Lager. It's delicious. Oh, that's good. Next time you're out, don't order the same old beer. Break the habit. Try Anzalone Special Beer. Change your habits. Change your world. Anzalone Special Beer. 
You are free to choose any card you want and any insurance company you want. But did you know that when your windshield is chipped or cracked, you can choose any glass repair company you want? Tell your insurance company you want Mesco Glass, locally owned since 1930. Staffed by the friends and neighbors you trust and recommended by AAA so quality is guaranteed. Hey, no one chooses to have their windshield damaged, but you can choose the experts at Mesco Glass with a location nearby and at mescoglass.com. All right, we're back here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK News Radio. And if you're looking for pizza tonight and you want to try a great craft beer, Derek, have you ever tr- tried a Grey Ghost beer? Yeah, I've been down there. It's a great bottle shop. Right. That's the, definitely one. You can it, find anything there. It's so deceiving, dude. It's yeah. so deceiving because it's a convenient mark. Very nice little plaza there on 610 Main Street. And Brewmaster uh, Eric Tafera, who's there all the time, you walk in there, he's got such a selection from all over the world. Um, unbelievable and phenomenal pizza. It's actually cafe setup. You would not believe. You think you're walking into a regular convenience yeah. store? No way. And try yourself a Grey Ghost beer and um, get pizza for the kids tonight. Give them a call, 570-471-3352. You definitely, if you're a beer enthusiast, a craft beer enthusiast, and even with the domestics, whatever you want, you got to stop in right there on 610 Main Street. It's unbelievable. Grey Ghost beers, the convenient market. Bring pizza home tonight. And I think it's time to do our official first interview here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK News Radio and welcome to the welcome to the show Rich How's it going fellas Good sir how are you doing Doing well, doing well, and enjoying a nice cloudy Sunday here in Asheville. Oh, oh man, yeah, it's pretty much. I don't know. If we, I don't know if we're cloudy still or what we are, but yeah, <laughs> we're something. Well, Rich, thanks for taking the time to give us a call. We're just going to dive right into this now. We've already had the uh, the Medora, which is phenomenal. Like we we oh. love it's just very well balanced. It's great. Now, with a little bit of history on Wikipedia, you guys started in 2011. Now, I know you have this thrown all over the place, so people understand. But I'm sure you still get questions about it. The name. Where, where did the, the name come from? Well, contrary to popular belief, it actually originated from a quote uh, from King Henry VIII. Um, basically, he believed that hops were a terrible, bitter, grassy adjunct to beer and that they were ruining the flavor and the heart of English beer. Um, coincidentally, he was charging taxes on other a- adjuncts, and so hops, they, the, they weren't making money off of, so it kind of helped his party line there. But, you know, the uh, the idea that hops were a wicked and pernicious weed, as he said, it was, uh, was the inspiration for that you know originally we focused uh, very heavily on hop forward West Coast style nice dry uh, IPAs and hoppy beers so that's that's a little bit of the backstory there for that yeah you can't get someone to be a little more wrong than that kind of comment especially coming from back then to now yeah yeah you know it's uh it's definitely evolved um, so you know that's what we've we've been promoting we love the use of hops we really like to showcase individual hops and just you know the the later additions getting that flavor and the aromatics it's something we're really passionate about so now you're saying you started out with doing a lot more hoppy beers and you guys have really started to build up a reputation within the sour community how when, when did that kind of branch out and i mean it's, and we'll get into the dangers of doing that but when did that really start to branch out when you start getting more into the sours you know it was right off the bat walt and uh, luke are the are the two brothers who run the brewery and uh, luke is a great conventional brewer um he's got a great great mind for recipe creation he knows his hops very well and uh he's a very relaxed chill guy uh, walt is heads up the sour program he's a uh, very energetic some might say add um <laughs> but you know they're very two different 
different uh, two different personalities and two different brewers. Um, and Walt really pushed for the sour and wild stuff, particularly the Brett beer early on. And uh, through his determination, uh, when we first started, he was out there dosing barrels by himself outside because we have a strict no uh, no cross contamination policy here. So he did he did everything in a back garage in our place. And uh, eventually, um, as the business kind of built up momentum, we uh, rented a space directly back and we attached a hard pipe um, from our brew house into a primary fermentation cellar. And for the first year and a half, that's where we did all of our sour and wild stuff in a little little more than a thousand square feet. So it was it was a juggling match, but wow. it turned out very well for us. So now you're you're calling from the the Funkatorium. So is that one of the ways that you guys keep those things separate? Because that's a, a big. I mean, if you want to talk about some of the difficulties housing two of those completely different styles, I and mean, that that can really ruin a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. The Funkatorium came about um, originally. We were trucking our barrels back and forth in order to process them. So we would go through our primary and secondary fermentation. We would barrel up, and then we would truck our our uh, barrels to a warehouse. It was about 20 minutes away each way, um, and each batch of beer was about two trucks. Load. So it was taking a ton of time and energy to move the barrels back and forth. And, you know, it wasn't great for it was great for the quality of the beer that we wanted. So um, the Funkatorium came about originally as a, as a warehousing option for our for our wood cellar. Um, it's about 9,000 square feet. We've got about a 730, 59-gallon uh, oak barrels. Um, several, you know, about 25% are probably whiskey and different spirit barrels. Um, mostly are used red wine. Um, and, you know, the front place had an old garage, and we just thought, you know, kind of in the inspiration of, you know, Rare Barrel, um, it would be a great place to showcase these beers. So right now we keep about 16 wild and sour beers on um, and showcase some of our favorite uh, hoppy beers here as well. Now, as you're getting into all this, the one thing I, I want to talk to you about, because we haven't had a cellar manager on here before, and that might be something some people that aren't really familiar with all this. Like, what is what is your daily duties, like, doing things like that in the, in the brew house? <laughs> well, you know, I, I come from a conventional production background when it comes to brewing. Um, and so Walt brought me on board. We get along very well. We've got a great he, – he pushes, I pull. Um, he's more <laughs> of the forest, and I'm more of the tree. So I focus on kind of – executing his vision. It sounds kind of vague, but that entails, you know, sourcing the correct barrels, um, different fruit ingredients. Uh, we use a lot of fruit for our sour beers, so that's one of my main jobs is sourcing ingredients. Um, I run the production schedule. Um, I manage, you know, several different employees, and I coordinate with the front of house and the other, uh, the brew pub right now. Um, so I have a myriad of responsibilities. It kind of changes from day to day, but a lot of office work these days, a lot of scheduling. You know, with beers like this, you're dealing with with, you know, sometimes as far as a year and a half turnaround. Um, so I've got to have my eye, you know, to the future uh, as far as packaging schedule goes and towards the present as far as, like, what we're developing, where we're sourcing things from, who we're working with. So um, I don't spend as much time in the brewery as I used to, but, you know, when I when I do, I definitely appreciate it more now. <laughs> well, well yeah, definitely. I can understand that one. When, when you're getting into all these within the cellar itself, like, how do you know, like, how is it sourced, like, when something is ready? I mean, we've had large and Salazar on here before from New Belgium, and she, she always said, you know, it, well, you just kind of know. But I'm wondering if there's, like, something else. I mean, I know that's over a period of time you get to be really familiar, but is there something that you look for as you're developing some of these, or...? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, during during the aging process, while the beers are quote unquote on rest, we're definitely we're sampling them throughout um, throughout their their lifespan in the barrel. Um, we're paying close attention to pH changes, uh, aesthetic changes, certain developmental um, factors. You know, go on during that resting process. The fermentation is still continuing, um, so we look at attenuation as well. We want to see a nice dry product, um, but we don't want to overage our beers either. So it's always a balancing act. You know, there's there's certain oxidative uh, qualities that can result from leaving something in the barrel too long, and then there's certain undeveloped uh, flavors that you won't get if you, if you don't if you don't age properly. Um, we're lucky that we have a pretty dominant house strain that we use for our souring um, and for our wild yeast, and we have fairly. Um, fairly good ideas as to when these beers will be ready and so we sort of build a schedule around that but I mean Lauren's not wrong when she says you know you just sort of know you, you, you'll taste sometimes between two weeks you'll get an enormous amount of change and uh, sometimes that light in your, in, your, you know, in your palate just goes off and you're saying yes this is here you know the data backs it up and then but it always comes down to an aesthetic determination that's something that Walt is really great about he just he cares so much about these beers and we focus so much on getting an objective taste for each one and and finding that right blend. Now, the other thing that, that she mentioned, and I've heard this from a few others, is there's always kind of a favorite barrel in the brew house. Do you guys have one of those that <laughs> you nicknamed or something? Yeah, man. We have uh, <laughs> we have some really, really interesting cooperage. Uh, another thing that Walt's been really great about is, is sourcing and finding some really unique stuff. So we've got everything from uh, Oaxacan tequila barrels in the, in the program. We've got uh, Oloroso sherry cast from Spain. Um, we use 500 uh, mil, uh, or liter uh, punch-in barrels uh, that were Cabernet. They're nice, large. Um, we're using those for our Angel series. You get a more slow, kind of layered development that way with the souring. Um, favorite barrels? There's some that have history, certainly. Yeah. There's some notorious ones that, uh, <laughs> that you can't cart with. Um, and that's something we pay close attention to is each individual barrel. You know, We look at the entire batch of beer, but then we look you know, from barrel to barrel. So when we sample um, a batch, we pull a proportionate sample of each barrel. We check the blend. We see what it's going to contribute. And if it doesn't do what we want, we have no hesitation to retire it or to, or to leave it out to age a little longer. Now, one of the other things, we, we had Ron Jeffries on from Jolly Pumpkin, and Ron was saying, and I'm sure you guys can uh, attest to this, I want to see what you thought. When you started doing these sour beers, he had an issue where he was sending these out, he was getting calls back from people, letting him know that his beer is skunked. <laughs> Were you guys up against some of this as you were unveiling some of the sour beers before people you know, got acclimated? Um, we haven't gotten that specific criticism. One of the things we, we, we tend to hear is that our beer is not sour enough. Um, <laughs> I think it's kind of like the uh, the old, my IPA is not bitter enough yeah. attitude. Um, and it's something that we're noticing is changing, but what we really focus on in our program is balance, drinkability, and, and layered complexity. You know, we, we want the sourness and the lactic character to be a, a, a component of, of the whole beer. Um, and a lot of our beers are based after stories or ideas, and we want, you know, we we want it to be contributing but not completely dominating the taste and so that's something that we're really passionate about here um, but yeah you know uh, we've learned some some lessons uh, generally hop uh, hop forward beers do not do exceptionally well in the barrel um, we've learned that um, amorous is sort of a result of, of experimenting with uh, hoppy beers I know you guys don't have a sample of that but that's a dry hop sour that we do um, and what we've learned is that you know um, we can add dry hops uh, to a finished sour beer and still get that wonderful hop character and aroma that, that, that plays off the acidity of the beer um, without without getting any of the kind of cardboardy oxidative effects that, that hop-forward beers would have if you left them in the barrel 
Well, I think we'll have to have you back on there and try some more. Too. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> so, I mean, but before we get into the discussing the beer, like, what's the distribution like now for everything at Wicked Weed? Like, where are you guys at? Um, well, we are lucky enough to live here in North Carolina where self-distribution is, is still allowed. Um, and it's really allowed us to kind of focus on specific markets um, in our state. Right now, we are exclusively in North Carolina. Um, we distribute here in Asheville as well as down to the, to the Triangle, um, you know, uh, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, um, and into Charlotte. But we, are, we have smaller accounts, you know, as far as Wilmington, right on the coast. Um, but right now, we're... we're exclusively in state except for certain events mm-hmm. um and you know it's it's been a challenge enough to just keep up with that you know when you're when you brew a, me- a beer and stick it away and you say i'll see you in eight or nine months it's very difficult to build a, a wide production scale yeah. operation off of that um come later this year um probably august september we're going to start to reap the benefits of our increased production um but you know it's, it, there's sort of a lag in between so we want to make sure that we're putting out the best product, um, the most balanced character, and we want to make sure that we're not overextending ourselves. And the market here in North Carolina has been incredible. We've got some some excellent accounts down down um, Charlotte and Raleigh that have really done a lot to bolster and support us during this time. So Yeah, it's definitely um, a growing area, you can tell, in the craft beer community. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, we've got plans as, as the production uh, expands. Nothing concrete, but, you know, we're going to hopefully expand into more key markets, um, you know, in the, in the north, uh, kind of trickle up north, out west a little bit. Bit, but right now we're just trying to focus on, on continuing the quality of the product, and we, we kind of feel like it'll, it'll, it'll grow as an extension of that. Well, let's get into some beer now. We, we just opened up. Now, forgive me if I, I'm not uh, rehearsed in the language, but I believe Labonte, my I Labonte, yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So now, Le- go ahead. I want to talk about this one. Like, what was the idea behind doing all this, the 100% Brett? Yeah, well, um, most of our core sour beers um, are, are 100% Britannomyces primary fermentation. Um, Walt and I feel really strongly that um, the strains of Brett that we use have they have a great primary attenuation very quick. We generally turn a primary ferment um, to 80 or 90 percent attenuation in about four to five days. Um, so, and we really like the esterification, the light phenols that we get um, in our primary. And you know, those are going to be the, the precursors for a lot of your really funky kind of barnyard notes down the road. So, um, with Labonte, it's, it's French for the goodness. So, it's, it's a pretty wide open, wide open term. But basically, it's modeled after the traditional farmhouse beers where you would brew with, you know, kind of protein forward. Um, uh, malt, some some under modified malts, as well as you know some lighter pilsner and stuff to get to give it some body, um, and then we dose it with a small amount of our house culture, which is you know lacto, pediococcus, and other strains of Brett. Um, and what we what makes Labonte unique uh, compared to a lot of our other tart beers is the fact that we don't actually use oak in the process. We age it in stainless steel um, for secondary, and we put the beer um, into the bottle at a, at a bit of a younger age, right around three weeks. Um, and we do a bottle conditioning process with it, um, which which has kind of been experimental. This uh, Plum Labonte has been is, is kind of the culmination of all of our experiments, and we're really happy with the way it turns out. You got a very nice body. Um, we add our fruit um, right after the primary fermentation when the beer is still lively, so a lot of those sugars get attenuated before packaging. Um, but then you've got a nice slow development in the bottle. So we use we use our glass here as sort of an extension of the aging process, as you would with barreling or um, you know 
keg conditioning. Um, we let it pick up carb in the bottle, and you know during that time the brett is continuing to uh, to develop uh, those funky notes, and the acidity from the lactose starts to become more and more present. So we can kind of taste bottle to bottle as it develops, and and once we you know just like the barrel aging, once we decide that it's hit that that sweet point of balance and acidity, um, and you know fruit flavor, then we then we release it. So it's been a it's been a really cool experiment for us, and it's kind of a an ode to the more traditional styles of, of, you know, farmhouse brewing that Walt and I love so much. Yeah, you definitely get that, but it's really, like, as you said, like, it's really nicely balanced. Everything we've had, like, so far, it just has that real nice balance, which is wonderful. Now, the one thing I wanted you to talk about, too, before I let you go, is the whole Angel series, and you have something coming up soon, too, I know, is the, the bottle getting unleashed soon. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a process nerd, so for <laughs> me, it's really fun to play with um, different um, proportions uh, in our souring and different volumes uh, for our aging. And so the Angel series is, um, is done exclusively in punch and barrels, um, which if you're not familiar, they're about three times larger than a conventional wine barrel. Um, and what you do is you, you're actually increasing the volume and proportionally decreasing the surface area of the oak. So what happens is you're not getting as much wood interplay as you would in a smaller vessel, and that allows the beer to kind of develop on a, on a slower rate. The lacto will, will acidify slower, the PDO, um, and the brick will continue to ferment out as well. Um, so what we do with that beer is we actually we do a pre-fruiting in a blending vessel. We barrel it out for about eight months um, at, at a nice sweet point where we feel the beer is nice and attenuated. We will rack out of the barrel and into these uh, stainless steel totes that we have. Um, and at that point, we add an equal amount of fruit on the back end. And what that does is it allows, you know, the strongest, most dominant things that are still in solution from the barrel aging to go to work on fresh fruit. Um, and what you get is a really intact fruit flavor with all of the complexity and, and layering that, that's uh, so unique to our process. So it's been a lot of fun. We have our next release. It's a Golden Angel. It's about a metric ton of apricots all said and done. Um, and it's going to be released uh, during Asheville Beer Week here um, in the middle of May. So oh. check that one out. We're going to be doing a pre-release for it. Um, you can reserve your bottles. I believe that's going to that's gonna start uh, next week. So you can check uh, Brown Paper Tickets. Um, but we're really excited about it. It's been a really fun process for us. It's, it's something that's really fun to kind of watch and develop. That's awesome. And, and Rich, I mean, like, you guys are doing great killer things. And we really appreciate taking the time to give us a call. We we're going to be having some oblivion coming up soon to, to end everything out. But, Rich, thank you so awesome. much for taking the time to give us a call. Really appreciate it, and well done, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. All right, take care. Awesome. So much better than it used to be, huh, Dirty oh, yeah. Derek? Yeah. Much a, smoother yeah. process, yes. and, of course, with uh, the wonderful Kathy D out, <laughs> out there uh, rolling us in. She is our now, she is our producer here at the Beer we, Geeks Radio Hour, and I love over, it. overseeing us now. I love yeah. it, and I can't wait. I, I can't wait to roll into the future with her behind the board. <laughs> the, the possibilities. No more radio problems. Yeah. <laughs> endless, endless. Now, listen, folk music lovers out there, I wasn't until I met this cool old guy that makes some beer and Anzalone, Miss Doc Anzalone makes Anzalone Lager. Fabulous. He's also a longtime folk musician. And here's some of his work here. It's great. 
And he's got a DVD because he's Penn State proud. Live at the Eisenhower Auditorium. If you're a Joe Paterno fan, if you're a Penn State Nittany Lion fan, and you're a folk music enthusiast, or you just want to check out something wonderful, or you're part of alumni and you want something to go with your Penn State collection, go to Anzalone Productions LLC.com and check out live at the Eisenhower Auditorium the DVD video performance and the CD audio, of course. Wonderful selections, great for any collector, especially if you're Penn State alumni. And uh, if you respect folk music, you definitely want to do that. And while you're listening, grab yourself an, Anz- an Anzalone Lager. We'll be back here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. Right, taking us out with the Anzalones. WILK News Radio. It's our second anniversary celebration at Ken Pollock Volvo. Help us celebrate with fantastic deals on one of the safest and most exciting cars in the world. Right now at Ken Pollock Volvo, you can lease the 2015 all-wheel drive Volvo S60 for only $229 a month. Or the Volvo XC60 all-wheel drive luxury SUV for just $299 a month. Right here at the award-winning Ken Pollock Volvo, just off I-81 on Route 315 in Pittston. KenPollockVolvo.com. See the Times leader for more lease detail. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I'm sitting in a bar. I'm all alone. Yeah, and okay, I'm a dog and I'm only three. But you know what? That's not all that important. I'll show you what is. Hey, Rocco. Yes, Bruno. Don't give me the usual. I want to try something new. Try this Anzalone Lager. It's delicious. Oh, that's good. Next time you're out, don't order the same old beer. Break the habit. Try Anzalone Special Beer. Change your habits. Change your world. Anzalone Special Beer. A lot can change in a year. Maybe you moved, maybe you changed jobs. And with change comes opportunity, like the opportunity to find a new health insurance plan to fit your new life. If you've had a big life change, there's a window of opportunity for a special enrollment. And Blue Cross of Northeastern Pennsylvania is here to help. You might have someone new living with you. (coughs) Sounds like a good reason to get the largest networks of doctors and hospitals. Or you vowed to share your life and the TV remote in sickness and in health. You should have an insurance plan to fit both of your needs and budget. Or maybe you finally turned the big 2-6. Happy birthday! Now stop it. 26 is not old, but it is a great time for stability. This is your chance to get Blue, the most trusted name in health insurance. But you only have a limited time after a big life change. So find out now if you qualify. Call 855-WANT-BLUE, go to bluecrossnepastore.com, or visit one of our Blue Cross stores. Wyoming Valley Motors, making good deals, making good friends. Wyoming Valley Subaru has some exciting news to share. Wyoming Valley Subaru is exclusively offering rates as low as 0% financing for up to 48 months on 2015 Subaru Foresters with approved credit. Yes, you heard right. Drive home the 2015 Subaru Forester 2.5i CVT for just $223 per month or the 2015 Subaru Outback 2.5i Premium for just $265 per month. These are deals to love at Wyoming Valley Subaru, just over the bridge from the courthouse on Pier Street in Kingston. And love, it's what makes Makes a Subaru a Subaru. Plus tax and tax, 36 month lease, 10,000 miles per year, zero security deposit on select models. 2015 Forester 2.5i CVT 2218 Jewett signing. 2015 Outback 2.5i 2260 Jewett signing. Model codes FFB 02 and FDD 11. Expires April 30th, 2015. Wyoming Valley Motors. Making good deals, making good friends. 
Ben, the number one LTL trucking company in the Northeast, needs drivers, dedicated, safety-conscious drivers in search of a better work-life balance, one that allows them to build a career while being home most nights with friends and family. If you're looking for a new career with valuable benefits like overtime pay after eight hours, 100% company-paid health insurance, and safe work environment, New Penn delivers. Visit newpen.com and apply now. They make life better for their drivers, both on the road and off. Go to newpen.com today. I saw arms flailing. <laughs> That's all I, I saw. I was drumming. Yeah, I figured. Did you say, hey, we're back on the air in a couple seconds or whatever? No. Okay, good, because I thought it was just me. I we're thought not used maybe to I wasn't paying attention. Here. You're right. Well, I'll tell you what, something funny. Eric from Gregos calls me. We'll love the spot that I spouted out for him, but I forget. I said the wrong phone number. I hate when I do that. <laughs> Gregos Beers, phone number 570-451-0881. Call. Speak to Brewmaster Eric Tafara. Grab yourself some uh, pizza tonight, Main Street there in Avoca. Just do it up. And well, stop can, in. And he's got some sours, man. He's got some sours today. He's enjoying the show. He has some sours there. And we're going to be doing beer tastings there in the near future, Derek. We'll, we'll be down there. I can't in wait. In the flesh. In the flesh. Whether you like it or not. Whoever thought <laughs> all of that's going down in Avoca on Main Street, the convenient Mark Ray Ghost Beers. Stop in today and ask Eric to tell you the very funny joke. Tell him just to tell you a very funny joke. <laughs> That's very open-ended. He owes you a funny joke. If you stop in and ask or just mention it, say, I would like to speak to Eric, please have him tell me a very funny joke. I heard I could hear one here. Does that have to be prefaced with, are are you easily offended or not? Hey, how he handles it is how he handles it. That's what's going to happen. But ask him for a very funny joke, and he has to tell you one. All right, Derek, we got some beer to drink. Yeah, we're we're on to our our final one. Now, this is the uh, Oblivion. Now, this is a sour red, uh, again, like another really well-balanced. But this is a little bit of a bigger boy. This is 8.7% ABV, so it's a little bit more going on. Now, with this one, it's interesting because this is actually brewed total with 88 pounds of blackberries and 20 pounds of dried dates are thrown into this. And then it's aged for 8 to 10 months in red wine barrels with lactobacillus and pediococcus. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in yeah. this beer. I mean, you, you just, just there, there's so much going on, and it has that higher ABV, so you can definitely taste that. Like, it's got a thicker mouthfeel than everything else that we've had so far from them today. Uh, it's a little bit more aggressive, too, with all those flavors going. But it's just a, it's a really nicely balanced. What, what they, you know, what Rich said is that this, this brewery, what's great, is I was saying, like, some sour beers can be a little too aggressive. Like, we've all had... Some sour beers are a little too tart. They kind of make you pucker. That's what a lot of them are known for, that puckering quality. But what's great with these is that it has it, but it's really subtle. I mean, if you're looking for an over the, the you know, beating you over the head with a sour type flavor, like he was saying, some people have told them they're not sour enough. If that's your thing, I get that. You know, maybe you're kind of jaded and you want something like that. But this is a lot more subtle and really easy drinking, which is tough to pull off with a sour style beer because in and of itself, just having something that's very sour styled can be a bit much on the palate, especially if you're not used to it. But once you get acclimated, it's fantastic. And what's great, what I think with a lot of sour beers 
is it's a great style, especially this from Wicked Weed. It's a great style for people that are fans of wine. There's just something about that. They're very vinous. They have a lot of those qualities of, of the fruits, and a lot of them are aged in wine barrels, so they tend to take on some of those notes, you know, whether it's a Pinot Noir or, or Cabernet or things like that. They take on some of those those wine notes, and it has, like, a real dry finish to it, too, with the nice red wine. So this is a really great style of beer for those fans of, of a, you know, wines. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big wine drinker. I've, I've tried them. The missus loves the wine. So you would not be Vinius. No, I'm not Vinius. <laughs> I've never heard that word before in my life. Look I will that. use it 11,000 times by the end of tonight. <laughs> Vinius. That's the word here. That's the word of the day, I guess. Kind of like Ed, are you Vinius? Not as Vinius as you would think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't know I was thinking you were. <laughs> I was kicking back the other day. I was cruising down 502, coming down the hill, hitting music, and I was thinking, hmm. I'm I wonder how Vinius Ed is. <laughs> How Vinius could he be? Not, not very. So within within this, we were talking off air because the last beer we had was you know as as uh, Rich was saying you know that, that's a hundred percent Brett. So they, they use a couple other things, but Britannomyces in and of itself, like when we're saying these sour beers, Britannomyces doesn't have a ton of sour characteristics coming through. It has more. And this might sound strange to some people who aren't acclimated to this, but. It has kind of a farmhouse taste, like some hay, some some real barnyard qualities, which sounds bizarre as something that you enjoy, but it has some barnyard qualities is how it's best described. And uh, But what that is, it doesn't have all that ta- the tart puckering quality. So when you see Brett and a sour beer, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be really over-the-top sour. It just has those qualities. Botanomyces acts more as a yeast. And it's great because, I mean, this this would be a really interesting beer, the, the Labonte, to let age out for a while and just see where that goes because the, the bread actually lasts longer than yeast. So when you put that into a bottle, like we've said, like, you know, the re-fermented uh, into a bottle. You said reefer. <laughs> <laughs> Refermentality? This is how we wake Freddy Is that up, what um, it is? Refermentality? No, Freddy's up. Re- <laughs> All right. Refermented. Forget I saw that. Oh, I thought you said refermentality. Forget that I even brought that up. Just do what you're doing. Yeah, Freddie's having a happy day. Just today. do what you're doing with, with the brewery. With it. having a good time. But just uh, <laughs> do what you're doing. Forget I even spoke. Forget I'm even here. <laughs> within within that, like it has these qualities that that have subtle uh, ability to really age out nicely and just last a long time. So, I mean, the, some of these beers can go for like 20 years, like sitting in a bottle. <clears throat> now, you're gonna want to probably wax seal them a little bit to keep air because air will slowly seep in no matter what. But uh, it, it'll let it age out for a while and just kind of see where some of these beers go. So, I mean, that's, like he was saying, that's what they like to experiment with that and using uh, the Britannomyces with a lot of these beers. And it's great to experiment with because of that fact that it's something that can age out for a long period of time and you can really start to develop some of these characteristics and see, like, where you want a beer to go. Because that's what's interesting with the sours is you're brewing it for now to try it. And just experiment with different fruits and all these things that are in there to see what you're going to get. But it's also you have to keep in mind, as he was saying, like you know, managing a seller, where this beer is going to go, when it's going to be done. So you're kind of brewing for the future and then getting into if you're going to get into blending and all these things. Like when we were saying we had Lauren Salazar from New Belgium on a few months ago. And, and Lauren was saying, like, you have to really pay attention to the blending because they do a lot of that at New Belgium. Which, by the way, if you aren't uh, yet aware of, New Belgium's finally going to be coming to our area, which is fantastic. At the end of August, we're going to have their beers out here. So we're going to get them back on the show, too, to talk about a bunch of things. Because since people will be able to go outside the doors and try them, which is great. Because you know, that's the one thing that's nice. Like We love getting like you know Wicked Weed, having them on here. It's, it's great. But those who are listening 
and you know, live terrestrial radio outside the doors aren't able to get it, but our, our podcast listeners and streaming listeners can find this anywhere, which is Hey, <laughs> that's true. Now listen, I want to point, point something out to you, Derek. You inspired me between listening to the Anzalone folk music and a line that you threw at me while you're enjoying this delicious Wicked Weed craft beer today. I came up with a line for my own Beer Geeks folk song that I'm going to be working on. And you inspired it. So you're oh, kind of like go. the co-writer of this now. And it was just too good not to blurt out. Because you know I don't usually like to interrupt while you're talking no, about no, you never, no, no, no. anything. So it's like, sitting in a bottle for some 20-some odd years. Now, I don't know if that's grammatically correct. You're like a It'll teacher. Could, could I say 20-some odd years? Some 20-some. In a song, you can say whatever you want, as long as it gets the point across. All right. And I understood. Did you get the point across? Yes. Did I get the point across? Yes. All right. So now maybe I'll be able to perform on one of these cool DVDs, but I just had to share that. I was so proud of that line. Can I play it's backup gotta- guitar? No, your guitar is bent in a bow, isn't it, man? It's not bent in the corner. Do you even know? How, would you even remember? Where to find your guitar? Yes, I would. All right, that's cool. And if if, if the strings aren't rusty, sure. I'm sorry, Derek. I no, don't I'm, like I'm to interrupt. Watching I'm watching history happen in front of me. But I'm taking this all in. I'd have all to right. switch over to a PV instead of my Marshall. Do what you got to do, man. If you're going to blow the dust off that and jump back on, rolling guitar strings, more power to you, Ed. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> but within the, the one thing, too, I want to mention within these, uh, you know, the, the Britannomyces and some of these things, when you're used too much, that's where you, you really have to key in on balance on some of these beers because when you use too much, now, these are the flavors you're going to get if you use too much. You kind of get a Band-Aid, bacon, this, like, nasty sweat taste. It, it, it's really, bacon. yeah, it's gross. Yeah, the last time I was chewing on Band-Aids and bacon, and I cheese, did have a cheese. funny taste in my mouth. Yeah, because that's some. I love lick the sweaty guy and some bacon and Band-Aids covered in cheese. That's just like standing next to the guy that says, this tastes like piss. Yeah, you want to try it? Like, no, no, then they follow it up with, try this. this and you're awful. standing next to them, and it's like. How would you know that? <laughs> like, how do you truly know that? You can't. It's a long, dark story. I'm, so- <laughs> I don't get- I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt anymore. We only have a few minutes left. No, that, that's like, you have to really brew these with a lot of, of science in mind. I mean, as you do with all the craft beer stuff, you have to have a good scientific background to understand the balance. But when you're getting into these things, because, I mean, look at what they did at Wicked Weed. They, they had to build a separate place to be able to brew these beers because there's so much that can go on with these that if you get that into the brew house... It's really difficult to, to clean out and go through all these things. Like you have to go through a real strong cleaning process. So, I mean, just that in and of itself shows this stuff can really take over and kind of ruin things. But when you do it right and you get these beers like we have from Wicked Weed, they're phenomenal. Yeah. And that's, gonna, that's what you're trying to do with this. Definitely. And that was a fabulous interview, man. Like, no, he good. was on point and he was ready to go. And um, and having a cellar manager was nice, too, because, you know, we've had, like, we've had Jim Cook on right, right. Sam Adams. We've had, you know, brewmasters on, like Mitch from, from Stone. And it's great to have those perspectives, but to have someone doing the cellar manager stuff, like, that's a totally yeah. different viewpoint that's kind of left out of, of business type stuff and is more on just paying attention to what they're, they're doing when they're aging these things. And this is something a lot more breweries are getting into, <laughs> is getting into like having these barrel programs. And I think it's going to, well, it is obviously working out wonderfully yeah. for them. And they're doing, I mean, North Carolina's taken off and that's where you see a lot of these, like sure. New Belgium opened up oh, a yeah. brewery, Oscar Blues, I mean, Stone's going to Virginia, like that whole like Southwest uh, region is really starting to, uh, Southwest, Southeast region. <laughs> right. 
Ooh. And they're not. And the great thing about <laughs> them expanding in these areas, Derek, yeah. is that they're, they're not cheesing out. No. You want to grow. A business wants to grow. They're doing they it because the more demand people. is there, and they're not doing it to just put more beer out, but they're doing it because they want to have the quality. Right. Instead of shipping, like, like you know, having Lagunitas just opened up one in, in Chicago a few, like, maybe a year ago. And they're doing that because, you know, shipping beer from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, you're losing something in that quality. Right. Where if you're just building a separate brew house in this area to, to meet the demand on the East Coast, like, that's a no-brainer. And they're, they're really starting to grow. And North Carolina, for some reason, has become this mecca of all these breweries opening up. Like, Sierra Nevada opened up one down there. Right. All these breweries are opening up around that area. So, I mean, it's really growing and it's helping, you know, when Wicked Weed opened, this all wasn't going on. So it's really helping breweries like this out because now it's becoming a travel destiny for all these, you know, people that love trying to go to the breweries all over the place. Right. A brewery expanding or growing is not a brewery selling out. Yeah. They're just making it easier for the people to get the beer that want the beer. Um, why would you want to deny your clientele if they're telling you that a recipe you have is so phenomenal? They need to have it more, and um, that's yeah. It depends. Like if we talked, I think it was just the last show we did. We, we talked about like the business plans of the brewery. Like, do right. they want to grow to that point? Because I mean, you see breweries like Russian River, they could grow to, to take over the whole country, but they intentionally keep themselves where they are because they, they just kind of look at the the nickels and dimes of everything. Like, does it make sense to get this big? And are we going to make more money doing that? And it just really depends on the brewery. And like that's what you see a Wicked Weed. Like they're saying, like they're really taking over North Carolina. They're right. eventually going to start to small, you know, shortly grow out of that a little bit. But they want to keep, you, if you grow too fast, the quality will diminish. And that, that's what exactly. a lot of these breweries are up against. And that's it's great to see. Like, they're, they're honing it in. They're making sure they have everything dialed in as great as they can before they make that step. And that's what you want to see at a good brewery is they are self-restrained. And that's what, what helps you grow because they're, they could just say, all right, we're going to be in 20 states. And right. They, tick off everybody in those states because they're either not going to have the amount to make for right. that or they're not going to have the quality. And it's just going to shoot them in the foot. Excellent. Well, Derek, I'm going to cut a few minutes early here because we have a new audience and some of our old friends that are joining us. If you would like to let them know how they can contact you, you make can, any suggestions, or maybe they yeah, want to come yeah. up here and try a few beers. We have a little bit more room now. Absolutely. Yeah, we actually um, do have room for now. So maybe yeah, somebody can, wants to come up on a Sunday afternoon. Let them know real quick you before we sign You can find us off. on the old Facebook, just Beer Geeks Radio Hour. Website's Beer Geeks Radio Hour. Radio.com. Beer Geeks Radio.com is a website. At Beer Geeks Radio on Twitter and Instagram. We're all over the place. BeergeeksRadio at gmail.com. Right. Shoot us an email. And next week coming up is going to be great. We have the brewmaster from Smutty Nose. David's going to be calling in. Smutty Nose is a phenomenal brewery of New Hampshire. And a lot of people are going to want to be down with that, whether you're familiar or not. Um, Beer Geeks next week at 12. And we missed our good friend, Backyard Billy Ramalamb. He had a f- um, family obligation. He but Backyard, beers, stop down Backyard <laughs> Alehouse, downtown Scranton. The patio's open. The weather's beautiful. A huge selection of craft beer off phenomenal, phenomenal brunch menu as well as a dinner menu. You want to check them out. The service is second to none at Backyard Ale House and the atmosphere is phenomenal. I haven't been there in a couple weeks and I know Backyard Billy's been very, very busy since we made the transition over to WILK News Radio. Um, We're looking forward to having Backyard Billy with us again next week and he's probably going to have some phenomenal stories. And Backyard Billy's like he's cool because it's like taking a kitten away from its mama 
the first time <laughs> and letting them play on the rug outside of the safety fence. I want to see how our kitten, Backyard Billy, is going to play in our new little area for the kittens. Pretty funny. Yeah, we all get to look at each other now, too, which is a little different. We're not yeah. used to doing well, that. Well, that actually hurts me a little bit, and I'll probably be wearing glasses or a hood over my face. I'm not going to be looking to do an armed robbery or anything like that. I just don't want to have to take a look at the three pusses that are going to be across the table from me. It is what it is. But we had a blast here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK News Radio. And I got to say, and guys, I'm sure you feel the same way, Kathy Donnelly behind the board yes. pulling the strings for us. She is our <laughs> puppet master now on Beer Geeks Radio. Oh, I like that. Uh, you are. <laughs> you did a phenomenal job. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I was spazzing out earlier, Kathy, when I f- thought you might have forgot it was like 10 of. And uh, Donnelly's walking through at like 11.57. She goes, what time's the show start? And I said, 12. Okay, then. What are you texting me for? It's all under control, but you know I get She's like a worry wart. And I thank you very much. You did a fabulous job for us today. It's a great launch party. Yeah, it was a great launch <laughs> party, and I know you guys are enjoying here. Um, all kinds of good stuff. I guess I turn into fast. Oh, the final countdown. <laughs> she picks all the music, too, which but is pretty groovy. Can't complain about that. All right. <laughs> you guys know the deal for Dirty Derek, for Polish Ed. I'm Fast Freddy. Consider yourselves all dealt with here on WILK News Radio. Cheers. Cheers.